Blog Talk Radio. Sunday, the 6th of August, 2017. I'm JB along with EJ, and we've got a pregame edition on the much maligned Sunday night baseball edition of the Happy Recap. And, of course, the Mets uh, taking on the Dodgers tonight in the final of a three-game series, uh, which the Mets hope to stave off the embarrassment of a sweep. But, EJ, i got to be honest, if I were in Vegas and a betting man, my money's not on the Mets tonight. Appears we've uh, lost contact with EJ there and uh, experiencing some of those uh, little uh, problems we occasionally do here with uh, Blog Talk Radio. Let's see here. EJ, can you hear me? I'm good, my friend. All right. I think we got rid of the bugs. All right. Well, for this week at least. For this week. Uh, And did you hear my opening or or do we have to start back? No, I did. I did. did. What I was saying was – yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the Mets are not going to be considered a favorite in either tonight's game or pretty much any series for the rest of the way this season. And uh, I, I would probably be right there with you uh, on the wagering wire in Vegas that I'd be putting my money on the Dodgers squarely tonight. You know, and I think, too, I mean, you know, as we sit here on the 6th of August, uh, the Mets have made two deals at the deadline, and we'll certainly talk about those deals here in just a few moments. Uh you know, it, it, it's, uh, of course, now that we're currently barraged by the, the amazing non-story that I always refer to as the waiver wire, where you know, we, we are tried to sold, be sold the false bill of goods that a player being floated through waivers at this time of year is somehow a big deal. Yeah, not the case at all anymore. Um, I actually had one of my buddies even text me this morning saying, wait, they put Cespedes on waivers? I'm like, wait, I'd be surprised if they didn't at this point. I mean, given uh, given what's going on with him this year, and uh, yeah, I mean, if, if another team wanted to swoop in and, and actually put a claim in, well, I kind of think everybody would be a little bit bowled over by that. Yeah, and the thing about it is, is keep in mind, these are revocable waivers, and I'm yep. pretty sure, yep. if I'm not mistaken, I'm not completely convinced the Mets didn't put Cespedes on um waivers um actually i i think they may have done it last year even uh it's pretty standard practice and if i remember right it goes back to a couple of years ago um the padres claimed randy myers off waivers former met randy myers um off waivers i want to say from toronto if i remember correctly and the idea was to block another team from getting him well the other team actually had no interest in him whatsoever and they got saddled not only with randy myers absurd contract at that point but Randy Myers had suffered a career-ending injury shortly thereafter, I believe, and they wound up having to pay two years of a deal and never have him play a single game after that. So it really has changed the scope of it. People, teams don't claim just to claim anymore. It's not like the late 90s where you would see, uh, you know, the Yankees didn't want Jose Canseco going somewhere else. So, hey, Tory, deal with him. Um, you know, it's not like that anymore. Um, and the fact is, if somebody claims Cespedes truthfully, yeah, they're probably going to pull him back. 
I'm sorry, they just are, despite his year and despite his absurdly terrible numbers at uh, at uh, City Field this year. Um, you know, I think it's safe to say, EJ, Cespedes is going nowhere even after clearing waivers. Yeah, they're going to have enough holes to fill in this offseason that knowing that you have a left fielder you can pencil in for hopefully 120 games next year or, or more, yeah, that's not a hole that they're going to want to create when they have so many other ones that need to be filled. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, certainly, especially when you're looking at things like the rotation, you've seen Seth Lugo implode quite a few times lately, including one of the infamous Sunday games last Sunday, which I happen to be a part of. And we'll talk a little bit about my uh, journey up north here to uh, to Seattle a little later in the program. But uh, just noticing that uh, Robert Gesellman had a rehab start today in Binghamton, and in two and two-thirds innings, he gave up six runs. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's going bad for all the good stories that came about over the last year with these guys. Uh, it seems like everything's kind of reverting a little bit for all of them, and maybe it's just them returning to to what they actually are, and maybe they were pitching a little above their heads. But yeah, it's definitely not not looking good. Um, Gesellman, I mean, obviously it's a rehab start. You don't want to hang too much on it just yet until he. Uh, he really gets to a point where you're thinking that, hey, this guy should be here by now, and he's still getting shelled a little bit. But, yeah, it's definitely a, it's an unfortunate trend that we're seeing in Lugo that he gets to that third time through that batting order, and it seems like he just falls apart, which kind of makes me more and more destined to think that he is destined for the bullpen if they ever get a, a bulk of their starters back healthy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have that situation where where you need to you need to get those uh, those arms healthy before you can take some of these, you know, some of these other pitchers out of the you know, out of out of the rotation. Now, I recall a couple of years ago, and uh, for the for those of people who think maybe maybe he's tr- going for a little revisionist history here, the beautiful thing is the complete archives of the Happy Recap Radio Show are online, so you can actually go back to the podcast where I talked about going to a AAA ball game and seeing this pitcher I'd never heard of or never heard much of, called Jake DeGrom, who just blew my eyes off. And I was convinced this guy was a future major leaguer. And we had actual experts on the show telling me, no, he's not really projected to, to do much. Gesellman and Lugo, I have never been high on. And I've, I saw them both pitch in AAA. And, you know, I think they're serviceable parts of the, uh, of, you know, they're a guy that can fill in a spot start here or there. And I think they're guys that could potentially be useful additions to the bullpen. And I think Gesellman specifically has the potential for late inning possibilities, but they're not rotation. They're not rotation members on a uh, contending uh, team. Now, that being said, EJ, good news. We're not a contending team. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But you're right. Every team who's going to be successful needs a good Aaron Oliver out there in the bullpen. And I think that that's kind of the role that I'm looking at Lugo to fulfill now, make the occasional spot start coming in long relief if need be, or in the event that you need to get a couple of tough batters in a row out that uh, he can come in fresh and hopefully accomplish that for you. But yeah, you're right. Mets are not contenders right now. So we saw it with the Addison Reed move. We've said it a million times on the show. If you're not going to be a good team, you don't need a really good closer. And that was the case, which allowed them to free up Reed. And I kind of feel the same way about the rest of the bullpen at this point. It's from here on for the rest of the season, everything is piecemeal, the rotation, the bullpen, even the lineup a little bit with some of the youth being finally uh, injected into it. But yeah, you're going to see a lot of different iterations of this bullpen, this rotation and this lineup. 
And I think the lineup, too, is going to continue to be more piecemeal because I do think in the next probably two weeks, I think it's safe to say, and I think it could be as soon as this Thursday, actually. Um, I do believe, uh, despite his LOL tweeted out uh, during the week, I think you see Dom Smith um, in a Mets uniform here in uh, in short order, which is just going to further piecemeal it because, dude, I don't think they're trading Jay Bruce or Curtis Granderson right now. One, I think that there definitely is an interest in keeping Jay Bruce, and we can, you know, we'll have all winter to debate that one. Uh, but uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm very much on the fence about it at the moment. But uh, you know, I, we'll we'll just see how that plays out before I make up my mind how I feel about it or not. But um, I, there's just no market. Nobody's looking for corner outfielders, and everybody's like, "Well, Sandy was asleep at the wheel." One corner outfielder was traded the entire entire season, you know. Um, trade deadline season with J.D. Martinez, who is considered the top one on the market, going from the Tigers to Arizona. There was no other guys dealt. I mean, this was one of, I don't know about what your opinion is, EJ, but not Mets notwithstanding, this was one of the weirdest trade deadlines I can, uh, I can recall. Yeah, this was, I mean, obviously with the Mets not being highly active in it, that I think uh, the attention could have waned a little bit following all, all the moves that were made, but I think it comes down to what we said so many times on this show is you've got good young talent, lock it up because you're not about to trade for it. And uh, that seemed to be uh, the story again, that anyone who was looking for real impactful uh, players, it looked like there was not a mass volume of them. Unless of course you're the new super team and super teams always work out. Yeah. And even the, even with the super teams, I mean, you look at, you look at what the Mets got for Addison Reed. And I know some people are critical. Other people are, are quite happy with the return. Um, I tend to lean towards the happy with the return on the, on the side of that. But um, the, you look at what the Dodgers gave up for you Darvish and it's for the difference in talent between you Darvish and Addison Reed, the difference in talent returned is not as different as it should be. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems that they were not proportionate to caliber of player returned. But, you know, it's funny when the, the those couple of days were going down, I actually uh, I conducted a little experiment with myself. Whenever one of the Mets moves was announced, it would come up as breaking news from one of the beat guys or one of the national guys, and I would immediately I would go Twitter dark, I would go over to one of the Mets' blogs, I would find out who the players who were returned were, and then I actually, it's a crazy concept, J.D., I researched it myself before I got the Mets Twitter reaction to it, so I was able to form my own opinion before having my brain clouded by the cesspool of Mets Twitter at times. And, uh, yeah, I lean towards where you lean. I am very comfortable with the return that the Mets got for these players. Um, none of us were expecting a immediate impact kind of player back. But obviously the, the coffers were a little bit empty when it came to, to arms of the miners, and Sandy did what he had to do to go ahead and, and replenish them. There's definitely some very high upside there. There's definitely potential for major league caliber talent there, maybe not at the elite level, but certainly a serviceable member of a bullpen. And uh, there's guys who maybe he reached a little bit for who have the potential but just haven't, uh, haven't established it yet. So I personally, I like what Sandy did. You needed to restock a little bit. You weren't going to get any major league-ready talent for these guys. So I was, uh, I was perfectly content with the move of both these guys. And it doesn't hurt that I've never been Lucas Duda's largest proponent anyway. 
No, and, and you and I are both of that, you know, Keith Hernandez, John Olrud school of first baseman. I mean, that's, that's our, those are our kind of guys, yep. uh, you know, the, the reality. And they're, you know, I th- to lump them together, I think, is very safe and fair because they're very similar type players, different era, similar player. And Dom Smith fits that mold, too. Uh, yep. And, you know, I think we have been saying that for a very long time and that it's nothing against Lucas Duda. I appreciate what he's brought to the team. I am not a detractor. I'm not a hater. I just happen to prefer that style of first baseman. That is a personal preference. So I'm very much looking forward to the beginning of the Dom Smith era. And that said, I'm the same way as you. What I tend to do with those type of trades, I, I start seeing the names trickle across who we're getting. Um, and uh, I specifically am hitting, ref- rather than following my feed in general, I'm refreshing over um, the... Um, I, I'm refreshing certain reporters who I know to have the information or who I know will have it fast. Um, and then I start looking them up. I start reading multiple scouting reports. I read multiple uh, my, you know, prospect websites. I look to see where these guys are ranked and where they're projected and what their ETAs are and extremely happy. And the one thing that also made me very happy, and I'll tell you about a surreal moment. I kind of had, it, I didn't kind of had, I had it uh, Safeco field last week. Um, the, um, the, the 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 pleasant thing I thought was obviously the trade for AJ Ramos. Uh, I, that surprised me. I was sitting in Safeco Field when I got the text about it. Um, I I I was um, sitting next to um, a good friend of ours, a, a listener of the show, who flew all the way from the mighty UK um, to uh, see the game. Our friend Mark goes by Barker Baggies on uh, Twitter. Shout out to him. Hung out with him, spent the game with him, had a great time. But it's like I looked about. Boy, we just picked up Addison Reed's replacement. And I meant that in several ways as I thought about it some more, that you know, with all this payroll cutting off, and we've talked about this you know, ad nauseum, you know, the payroll issue with this team over the years, the pickup of A.J. Ramos sig- signifies that this is not a team that is unwilling to invest in 2018 because they just did. We're talking about a guy that's going to cost them six to seven million dollars next year to keep around, which they're going to do, to be you know presumably the eighth inning guy, and should Familia falter, the closer, uh, you know essentially to be the new Addison Reed. I was extremely impressed that they made that early of a commitment to a guy um, before the post, you know, the off season. I thought that was said a lot about the fact that this is not a rebuild. This is a retool, and 2018, they are still going for it. Yeah, I did like that a lot. I definitely think it does close the door on any possibility of Addison Reed coming back, which we've kind of discussed at length here. But, yeah, that surprised me, too, that they would make that move now. And, uh, and I agree. I like it. I like the idea that he's pretty much in place before you even hit hot stove. That's kind of comforting to have. So when we're sitting there saying to Sandy, Sandy needs to retool the, the bullpen. Well, the good thing is Sandy needs to retool the bullpen with the least expensive parts of a bullpen that to retool. So it shouldn't cost significant amounts in either finances or trade uh, of players that I don't want to say that fixing the bullpen is now easy. I feel like having Ramos here makes it a heck of a lot easier. And I think they also increased what they were able to get back for, for Reed because they took some of the competition out of the water. Um, I think that the, fa- the fact of the matter is, is I think they, they probably got an extra player back that they may not have gotten 
otherwise for for Reed. That being said, uh, you know, again, um, it was a uh, it was a um, you know, I, I think it sent a lot of different messages. I'm not sure the fans have received all of them, but uh, I think that it, it says very positive things both financially and strategically for 2018 specifically. That this is this is not Sandy throwing it up against the wall and saying, you know, bah, you know, screw it, let the next guy fix this. Um, it's I'm in, I'm all in. Specifically, Sandy Alderson, I'm all in, and we're all in for 2018 again. This is an anomaly, and we are going to fix it. That is the message I got from the moves that he made on trade leading up to the trading deadline. Uh, they were not the bold, sexy moves I think that a lot of fans were looking for and a lot of fans were hoping for. And I, I think that there would be a couple of moves that are considered boring. I think it is certainly possible that uh, former trade pieces, Jay Bruce and Cabrera, and Cabrera may both be back with this team. It's even possible at this point to some extent that you might see Jose Reyes back in a limited role next year as well. But I think they know what the holes are. The only disappointing thing I've heard is, and it was just kind of, snuck into an article the, uh, yesterday, I think it was from our good friend Mark Craig, um, and talking about some of the things that the, you know, the Mets are looking at uh, for, for next year, that it sounds like overall sources within the Mets organization are essentially happy with the progress Travis Darnot has made. I'm not sure they're watching the same Travis Darnot I am. That being said, available talent, yet again, not there. Yeah, that's the thing. Again, we've said it on the show before. You look around Major League Baseball at the catcher position, there's not really a depth of, of good catchers. Or rather, I'm sorry, offensive catchers. And when I look at that, I think, okay, if we're not going to have a good offensive catcher, and I certainly don't think Darno would qualify as a good offensive player at this point, well, I want to get some guy who's at least a wizard behind the plate, a wizard at working with the rotation, a defensive uh, gem, and unfortunately, I don't see that in Darno either. So I'm not really sure what the organization has this level of comfort with Travis, particularly since, let's face it, the kid probably should have been moved out of the position of catcher by now, given his history of his propensity for injury and his decreasing defensive value. So I was surprised to hear that. But if you're going to tell me that this offseason, Sandy's going to shore up the bullpen, shore up center field, and get me a legitimate grade-A third baseman, then I guess I would live with Travis at catcher next year. But you better have a darn good backup because, let's face it, Rene Rivera at times this year, he shined. But then there are times where he, like just recently, coming into the series, was over 21. Rene Rivera can't be the backup, I don't feel, to Travis because you have to anticipate Travis missing at least 50 games at some point next year. He might be scattered throughout the season, but you need to have a really defensively minded backup catcher if that's going to be if Travis Darnell is going to be slotted as your everyday catcher. Well, and I think too. I mean, you know, if there's one thing I think the Mets are learning at this point too, especially with you know, how you know Wheeler and Mats have performed down the stretch here as well, that uh, you know once once you have some of these arms healthy and you still don't know what is the future of Matt Harvey at this point, is his future in 2018 with the Mets or not? Um, you know, in the sense of, you know, do you, do you send him off in a change of scenery trade with somebody else? Um, the, the, the reality of it is, is the, you know, as far as shoring things up, the rotation can't be ignored totally. I think if you have the opportunity to bring somebody in, either as a free agent or through a trade, that could, you know, basically, and I, I think I've used this term before on the show, 
be a ten year young, a ten year younger innings eating Bartolo Colon type. In other words, you know, a good veteran thirty to thirty five year old arm that could you know potentially put out two hundred innings that you know is going to stay healthy, um, and just be that solid you know three and a half to four ERA game guy who's going to go you know fourteen and six over the season, you know that kind of guy. I mean, that's the kind of guy that I think you really need. Uh, to shore up this bullpen because, again, each one of these guys are young guys and they're prone to injury. And let's be honest, DJ, that's just the nature of the game today. As we look at all the aces around baseball, who spent time on the DL this year, you know, Keuchel, Kershaw, the list goes on. It's not just Syndergaard and Harvey. Well, I fully agree with you that I would like to see that innings eater or veteran be slotted into the middle of this rotation. I don't foresee it happening, and there's a couple of reasons. I think, one, Sandy really wants to have this Generation K five studs all finally coming through. Can that ever happen? I'm doubtful. But the fact that they've already started chirping in the papers about how Noah's going to change his entire workout regimen next year, he's not going to focus on the muscle. He's going to, to focus on flexibility, and then everyone admiring uh, the ground because DeGrom never hits the weights. He only works on cardio. He only works. I mean, these are all things that anybody who's ever even been to a gym once in their life understands that, yeah, that's what you need to do to be a successful baseball player. You don't need to be jacked up like Mark McGuire in the 90s. You need to be limber, especially if you're a pitcher. And so they're already preaching this. And it's just like when they preached Barwis was going to be the greatest thing. It's just like when they preached prevention and recovery was the greatest thing. It's no matter how many catchy slogans they have, and none of them have been successful keeping these guys from getting injured. I think they're going to really, they're going to plant their flag on this mountaintop. This is the year that we have figured out how to keep these pitchers healthy. Now, when it's mid-May and two of them are down on the 60-day DL and you're scrambling around the league to, to find somebody like Pill to throw a game for you, yeah, it's going to stink. But I feel like that's the reason why Sandy is not going to go deep to look for another starting pitcher. Maybe he does pick up that, that swingman kind of guy who, who isn't going to be one of the guys who they have here, but I don't foresee them getting that guy. I mean, you said you want a guy who's going to go 14 and 6. Well, sh- hell, <laughs> that guy might get, uh, might get you Darvish money at this point, given the, the rotation. So I, I definitely don't foresee. I think that would be low on Sandy's priorities. I don't think he'll – He'll turn down a conversation when it comes to his acquiring starting pitching, but I really think he's going to uh, focus on other areas more. And it's interesting you were talking about the the change of scenery trade with Matt Harvey. Well, our buddy Mark Carrick actually did tweet out that the Mets fielded some calls on Matt Harvey about possibly uh, acquiring him, and apparently the, the return they were being offered was so incredibly low that the Mets just basically shut down all talks and said they're going to ride out next year and then part ways, hopefully amicably. Yeah, you, you got to hope that one. I mean, and I think I mean I think the only way you see the Mets potentially ca- you know cash in on Harvey realistically is probably if they're in this exact position next year. Yeah, you know, I think I think you could see him go in a deadline deal where it's like he's pitched so poorly we're not going to get anything really for him off the, you know when he signs somewhere else. Let's try and get a couple low-level prospects and hope that something sticks. Um, that's, I, I think, probably your best chance with getting rid of Harvey. I do think he's a Met in 2018. I, I think they'll look at potentially 
change of scenery type trades. I think they'll be offered change of scenery type trades. The question is whether it be, you know, will it be worth taking? And I tend to agree with you. I think the trade market has changed even in just the time that, you know, people like, like you know, Sandy's a dinosaur. Um, and, you know, the reality of it, the market has just changed just in the time Sandy's been a GM. Because again, you know, look at some of his early trades when he was selling off the bits and pieces, uh, you know, of the 06 to 08 Mets. You know, you, you, you got a Zach Wheeler for Carlos Beltran. I don't think you get that trade today. I don't think that no, trade definitely. exists anywhere in baseball today. No, I totally agree. I mean, I don't even think you have an R.A. Dickey. Tra- I mean, you don't get Syndergaard and Darno for and Bucera for you know for R.A. Dickey today. It just doesn't happen. It won't happen. It can't happen. Um, the market has just changed. Those pros- people have realized with all these trades of prospects. They now hold on to them for dear life. It's like all of a sudden everybody's Fernando Martinez. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, you, you look at the Dickey trade, and I was thinking about that one earlier today. It would be like if the Dodgers came to us today and said, hey, you want Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, we just want, want back Dom Smith and Ahmed Rosario. Cool? Yeah, I don't think so. Not happening. <laughs> I, I just don't see teams. You're right. Wanting to sacrifice with their, their real top ready to emerge stars for the potential of one player who, and you pointed out before, who could potentially get categorically injured, which could derail your entire season, which unfortunately has been the case at the Mets. If we had this rotation healthy, we're not sitting where we are right now. But we were so decimated by these injuries that it is what it is. You're having guys you've never heard of regularly come up the pitch. You're, you're having guys grabbed off the, the waiver wire and basically said, hey, go throw six innings worth, please. And uh, it's a bad situation to be in. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, there are a couple – if you said, you know, you have to trade, you know, you know Dom and Ahmed for, you know, one guy in baseball, the, the, list, the, the list is so short it's not even funny. Um, in fact, I, I, my list would have two people on it, I think. Um, and one of them we just played, and he's a rather good third baseman in Colorado. But uh, yeah. the the other happens to be an outfielder in Anaheim. But that's, I mean, that's how highly I think of those guys. It's not because I think those trades are realistic. It's because yeah. that's how highly I think of those guys because they cover two positions. Now, those particular two players, I think probably just in their mere existence, cover the you know cover the faults of three to four players. That's just how good they are. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know it. it I, you know, in my wildest of wild dreams, I can see Nolan Arenado in a Mets uniform, but uh, that's pretty much all they'll ever be, and I accept that. But, um, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's one of those things too. You look back at how things used to be and how and how things were. That's how David Wright was nearly traded by Steve Phillips. That's how Jose Reyes was nearly a throw-in um, in the uh, Alomar deal. I mean, you know, the, yep. <laughs> you know the. the be, and it's thankfully the trades that don't get made that help you the most. And that's the thing to remember. Sometimes the, best, the best trades are the ones you don't make. Cargo last year or two years ago when, uh, when instead we pivoted to Cespedes, which was kind of funny because I have the Time Hop app. And going back into my Time Hop app over the past two weeks, man, it's been like, wow, was that a high and a low time as a Mets fan. And the, the night that we actually got Cespedes, reading my tweets from, from that night from two years ago was like, oh, man, those were some good, good times. 
You know, and the thing too is, I mean, when, when the Gomez trade, when that whole thing came out, I was trying really hard to be excited about it because I don't like Carlos Gomez. <laughs> I really don't. I just don't. I haven't. I never have. I I just never will. I don't like his attitude. I I don't like the way he plays the game. Um, some of it's personal in the sense, you know, the 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 way he, you know, the way he presents himself publicly. Um, and uh, you know the, the you know talking about how he's still sexy and all that stuff, you know it, it's I, I'm just not a fan. And so when it looked like for about an hour there that we had him, it was like, okay, put on the brave face. You just gave up two players <laughs> you really like, and you're getting back ones that you don't think can make a difference. Just pretend it's go all good and fine. And then it fell apart, and I was just like, well, they better get somebody if this fell apart. But I'm not that upset about it, but um, you know the 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 only thing I mean I keep saying about UNSS, but it's if one thing, if all I could do is meet him once and hand him a Gatorade, that's all I want to do. <laughs> that boy or, needs or to stay hydrated. Parents, we're both familiar with the product known as Pedialyte. Just get the yes. Pedialyte. They they even come in frozen popsicle delicious form. In fact, I just I just bought some Pedialyte and some popsicle makers to make my own. So I mean, you know, in, in this hot weather, you know, it's always good to get the uh, get some extra, you know, some extra electrolytes in there. But um, it, you know, it, it's 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 the same thing. It's like Pedialyte. Come on, man, just Pedialyte. Just, you can afford it. You can really afford it. And it, you know, it's funny. I mean, I pick on I pick on them a little bit, but it's like you know, two things. Like stay away from the leg weights and drink more electrolyte. That's all I want to tell you in assessment. I know. But uh, you know, it, it's um, it, it's kind of funny. You, you know, you mentioned the parenting thing, and I, I had a little fun. You know, it, it, it this team has not been a lot of fun this year, EJ. I think we've talked about that a few times. But I got to have some fun with them this week, past weekend, and that was really cool. I took I took my daughter down. We had uh, on on Friday night I, when I was there with Mark. I had uh, second row seats down the third base line, and. Uh, we were in the eighth row on Sunday, my, my daughter's first Mets game. Now, she's been to Safeco before, and she loves the moose. But um, <laughs> you know, this was her first Mets game. Um, and so she came down with me, the eight rows, and we got some autographs together and had a lot of fun. Got to hang out with our good buddy, Josh Smoker, uh, talked to him for a couple minutes. I, felt, I kind of felt guilty. I, I hollered for him. He saw me, recognized me, walked over, uh, met the family, and – with you know, within ten seconds, he was probably signing a hundred autographs. So I was like, oh, I committed him. I'm sorry. I, my wife even said, "You see what you did to that poor guy? He had to sign for like twenty <laughs> minutes because of you." <laughs> but one of the most surreal moments, I'm looking down. You know, as you, as you you know, you've done this before. You look down one way, you see a player signing. You look down the other down the other way, you see another sign coming down from my right. AJ Ramos coming down from my left, Addison Reed, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. "Oh boy, this is." I mean, you know, it it was one of those things. And and for the record, AJ Ramos, sweetest guy. Um, he he even yeah, gave he my daughter a hug. Reputation. Yeah, he carries that um, reputation, which I was happy to hear. And you know, I think I think I may have sent you. We got a picture with him and my daughter, and uh, she she uh, said thank you and bye bye. And he thought that was so cute that he gave her a hug. And yeah, it was <laughs> he was really cool. And it, 
people kept asking, who is this guy? Who is this guy? He wouldn't wear his uniform top. And I'm like, that's how AJ Ramos, the new, the new reliever. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. It, and it was a good experience. And I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, especially in this day and age to get a, a bunch of them to come out and sign and, and hang out with, you know, mostly kids. You know, there were some autograph hawks out there. Um, and I always try to differentiate myself for them because dude, when I get an autograph, I keep an autograph. That, that's just, that's my inner kid. I, I ain't going to eBay with those. You know, those, those, those are staying in the family forever. And if they're going to get sold, they're going to get sold by my daughter. Um, <laughs> long time from now, I better be dead. Um, the, uh, you know, so it, the, um, it's, it's really cool to see how they, they were, you know, it was, a, it was kind of a crappy series for them. So, you know, they, they were really cool and really signed a lot. And there are a couple of guys that were out there that I, that I'd already gotten when they were in the minors. So I didn't, uh, DeGrom was out signing, Conforto was out signing. And I, you know, I just want to say, and I think that was one of the things that in one of those years where, you know, we as grownups are focused on the minutia of the games and kind of getting, well, let's be honest, pissed off watching this team. It was kind of a little refocus for me to, you know, to kind of see, and I'll just see these guys as people again. Uh, you know, so thank you, Josh, for that. It's always cool to see our buddy, Josh, um, who said he will join us again this fall. So we'll look, you can look forward to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, to just see these guys interacting. And you know what? Those kids went away happy. My kid went away happy. And that's what matters. Yeah, the Mets got blown out. It was another crappy Sunday loss. And, it, you know, gr- grumble, 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 all that crap. But at the end of the day, the kids walked away happy. That's a team still doing its job. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, Major League Baseball, it's always said that they're not appealing to the youth of today. Well, you saw a bunch of youth of today walk away with smiles on their faces and feeling good about the sport of baseball. So that's a, that's a good job by our team. And, and you know, and I, I, and I kept doing what I call the reverse hample and letting kids get past me so that they could get to me. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the uh, – Sorry, I couldn't resist that. But I'm a firm believer. It, that's one of those things. I may be a grown-up that gets autographs from time to time, and, you know, including at the AAA level. But if there's one autograph left and there's a kid next to me, that kid's getting the autograph. And I'll yeah, even lend absolutely. him a pen. And I'll even lend him my pen to get it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's about them. It's about them. And, hey, if there's some leftover for us grown-ups who refuse to grow up, awesome. Absolutely, man. That's a great experience. I'm glad you got to have it with uh, with your girl and your your wife. And uh, and yeah, hopefully the the Mets down the stretch here, as uh, things aren't looking great on the field, continue to be such good advocates of baseball off the field like that. Yeah, I, I you know I'll be honest. Worried about tonight, not only Sunday night baseball, but just the fact that it's a Sunday. And I think at this point they may or may not admit it, but I think Sundays are in their head. I really do. I think Sundays are in their head. Yeah, I do too. I forget who we asked about that on the show a couple of weeks ago. We kind of dismissed it, but I don't think you can dismiss it at this point. It's just been, it's been so, I'm sure National Baseball tonight will be pointing out the horrific inequality between the uh, Mets and their opponents on uh, on Sundays. So, yeah, it's. Uh, Repeatedly. It's kind, of, it's kind of a matter of, as one of my friends texted me earlier, what will be bloodier tonight, Game of Thrones or the Mets on National Baseball on a Sunday? And, uh, yeah, it's a toss up for me. Every Sunday is a red wedding with this team. <laughs> that is fact. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah. I, 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 it even took me a second when I was out there going, 
Boy, this went bad fast. Oh, wait, it's Sunday. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, it feels different. I even, said, I even said to my wife, I said, this team is terrible on Sunday. She's like, then why are we here? It's like, because yeah. we couldn't go yesterday. <laughs> I was thinking maybe with the West Coast start time last week, it wouldn't have been as bad. But nope, equally as bloody as it is back east. Yeah, it really was, and you know, it, it it's it's still you know it's still a uh, it's still a fun experience. It's still a fun to have a Sunday at the ballpark. But by golly, yeah, it uh, uh, you know, and I tell you, one of the cool things was the previous day being on the West Coast, a one o'clock start time local. You remember what those were like? A Saturday one o'clock local game. Yeah, no, I have no recollection of those happening. <laughs> yeah, it, but, correct me if I'm wrong. There's not a single one of those on the Mets schedule this year at, at City. Hence the reason there is no happy recap outing to City this year. So that uh, that little crank in the plans for two years in a row have shut down our uh, our annual outings, which is a darn shame because I think we rolled about nine of them in a row. But yep, schedule makers say Saturday baseball is not to be played at one o'clock for some reason. Unless you're on the West Coast, because that's convenient for East Coast television. Exactly. Exactly. It's a shame. You know, I mean, I could take advantage of it, but even then, it's still like kind of. I, I still feel a little icky. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. It's just an odd feeling, and it's a an odd new standard. Yeah, it really is. But uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, you know, it, it seems like uh, you know basically we've got the doldrums of August to look at. So uh, I think uh, I think we'll probably shift a little bit of gears here as we kind of you know unless major news breaks. Uh, we've got some good author guests that uh, we've been waiting to get on. I think we'll start working on getting those guys on and uh, talking about the books and talking about some past stuff because, uh, you know, the, the present ain't so much to look forward to until we head towards the uh, hot stove and off season because uh, I think uh, August and September are going to be fairly. Yeah, I mean, the one thing we will have is we'll at least have hopefully our shortstop at first base for about the next decade. Uh, we'll both be here together and we'll finally get yep. to look at them side-by-side, side, uh, uh, protecting one another. Hopefully we'll be seeing maybe some of these arms getting back and, uh, and at least see are they going to be ready to go for next year. So at least we'll have that to look forward to, but you're right. Much beyond that, I mean, you, you figure between Don and Rosario, that's eight at-bats a game that you have to watch and pretty much nothing else. So, yeah, we'll definitely do a little pivoting unless, like you said, the breaking news comes out. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, one thing too, I do think this is going to be an interesting September for call-ups. I do think you're going to see, I mean, especially because both Binghamton and uh, at least I think Binghamton, but I know certainly Las Vegas is not in any sort of playoff contention itself. Uh, I think you're going to see a a good dose of September call-ups this year. And I think that the end result is going to be a, a lot of variety in the September lineups and seeing what some of these guys, especially there are a couple of relievers at the double A AA and triple A levels that I think they're going to want to take a look at. And I kind of want to take a look at myself and see if, you know, what, what they have in the, in, in the hopper for this off season, because, uh, you know, again, I think, you know, I don't think there's an internal, I know there's not an internal option at third base. I know there's not an internal op- option at center field, no matter how many people tell me that they should give more playing time to Brandon Nimmo. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't see him as a starting center fielder on a contending team. Um, He's, he's a good fourth outfielder. I think he could definitely contribute to this team. I just don't see him in that particular role. Uh, so, I mean, some of the big pieces that they have that they need to get this winter um, are not on the team, but there are a couple, maybe bullpen arms, maybe even, the, you know, that swing guy you talked about 
they may be in the organization. Let's take a look. Uh, as much as I agree with you, I I just have to shrug and, and cringe a little bit to think about the length of an average game giving Terry Collins like five more relievers. Oh, well, there, four, yeah, okay, four there's and that. And half, four and a half hour regular games on a, on a Wednesday night. <laughs> I, I guess the question, my last question for you is, EJ, I mean, and you and I have both been pretty much, we, we've bounced back from Terry toler between Terry tolerators and, and pro Terry overall. And, and I'm, 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 you know, I'm still of the camp. I, I'm not the one, I'm not one of those hashtag fire Terry guys. Um, and I won't be, but I think, you know, I think we can all come to the realization that perhaps the time has come for change. Um, at what point do you think Terry watch is fair? I mean, I don't think he's, there's nothing happening during the season. I think the Mets have made that clear and I don't expect it. Uh, but at what point do you think, uh, you expect to find out that, you know, let's be honest, you know, the Mets are not going to fire Terry Collins. They're going to give him a, you know, they're going to give him that consultant job for the next 10 years and, uh, let him go scout a few ball games. Uh, they're going to let him retire in dignity and style, which I'm fine with. But, uh, you know, what, what point do you think we need to start looking at who's going to manage this team next year? You know, I, obviously I think that he's definitely going to be in more heat now this offseason than he's ever been prior. I never felt like, even when they were coming off miserable seasons, I still always felt like he was secure because he had the, the parachute of, well, look who's coming up. He's going to have Harvey soon. He's going to have Syndergaard soon. He's going to have Wheeler soon. So we've always had kind of that insurance policy that, well, we've never gotten to see Terry with a great team. And now we've kind of got the, well, the one time Terry had a great team and they were healthy, they went to the World Series. So I feel like they won't make the move this offseason. But I feel like if next year is not a playoff year, then yes, I think the axe will fall on Terry. Uh, I do believe that that they will let him call it retirement rather than, them actually firing him and yeah, setting him up with a nice consultant job. But uh, I, I definitely think that we will see Terry Collins in the Mets dugout next year. Um, if they get off to a miserable start, could I see them making an infusion move? Yes, I could. But I definitely think that he's going to at least be given one more chance to open a season with a healthy roster and see where it goes from there. We'll, see, we'll certainly see. The other thing I do expect to see is uh, I. I actually think that going into next season and, and through a paperwork move this looker, I think our general manager will be John Rico. Um, but I also think that's because Sandy's going to be the president of baseball operations. So I can and see still, that. And, yeah. and that's a paper move. It's what it is. It really is just a paper move. But um, I think that more than anything, I think uh, as Sandy approaches his retirement age, having a more prestigious title. And quite frankly, I think Rico has, has done more than enough to earn the GM stripes and, and the, uh, the added bonus on his resume. I, I think that's a, I think that's a change that may occur as well. And I've seen another, a few people suggest that including people in the know that that's a possibility for this off season, but I don't think the changes are going to be wholesale. I think people that wish that wish uh, Dan Worthen uh, to have horrible things happen to him. Sorry, you're going to be disappointed. I think he, unless he chooses to retire of his own volition, he'll be back. Kevin Long will be back. And the rest will be minor changes, tweaks, even if they change managers. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's going to be much done as far as management goes this offseason. Down the road, definitely. But I think this offseason is going to be more focusing on the product on the field. And as they should. As they absolutely should. Because, again, I don't think they're that far off. But 
they definitely need some shoring up. That they do, and hopefully the reinforcements will come. Absolutely. Well, EJ, until we do this again, most likely uh, next week, um, and we'll uh, keep people up to date as to the guest schedule coming up here in the next few weeks. I know we'll most likely have our good friend Rich Catino with us. He, he got to manage a ball game yesterday, so I want to hear about that. And he's also got his uh, Press Box Confidential book out as well, talking about the last 30 years of sports reporting in New York. Our good friend Matthew Cerrone also will be joining us here in the next couple of weeks as well to talk about his book, um, The Mets Bucket List. So we've got a couple others I'm working on, and we'll get those solidified up. And, of course, talk Mets as it happens, when it happens. And you, of course, find us on Twitter. That is the easiest way to do it. Go look on Twitter at The Real Who for me, at The Happy Recap gets you EJ, at Big Country Griff gets you our ever-absent co-host, Ryan. And also you can find us on Facebook. Just look for the happy recap and click that lovely little like button and your world will just be that much more perfect and inclusive and diverse and all those good things. Anyway, appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. And again, a shout out to our good friend Barkabaggies in the UK. Uh, great to hang out at the, at the game. Appreciate listening and appreciate all our UK listeners. We've got a few. I, I love it. I love talking baseball with people and uh, I don't care where you are. Let's talk baseball. Find me on Twitter, find me on Facebook, and we'll talk baseball 24-7. Not literally, but uh, you know what I mean. Anyway, until next week, for EJ, this is JB saying let's go Mets.